Amen? Um, so I, I know that circumstances change, and I think there was supposed to be a different speaker this morning, but God's timing and God's moments are a sign from way before we even find out. So when we got the call, this was already all set for you. So this morning, I want to start with the letter W on our walks, which is wake up and see. And it's going to be based out of the book of Jonah chapter one. And for the, because of the interest of time, I'm just, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but many of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. A prophet is someone who hears from God and obeys and speaks God's word. A prophet knows the heart of God and helps others to understand it. A prophet lives and depends on God's desire. A prophet is um, not a new believer, is someone who is trying to figure out his purpose in life in Christ. Um, Jonah was a man who knew his identity. He had been active in ministry. He had been a prophet for quite a while sometime, and he was functioning in that calling of prophet. So he was used to hearing God and being able to speak whatever God is speaking. And just like Jonah, the church is not a new institution. You might be new to Impact Church. You might be new to Christ, but I, you need to know that the church is not a new institution. It's been around. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We know what our identity is. The scriptures describes and tells us who exactly we are. You know, um, we are the body that physically realizes and demonstrates the thoughts and directions of God for the people. We depend on his desire and we are the mouthpiece of God here on earth. This is a privilege that we have as the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation and through his sacrifice we live our lives constantly depending on the grace of God. How many have experienced the grace of God this morning? But I believe one of the things that is happening in the church is that we joyfully accept the changes that grace provides us because grace will never leave you the same. It allows us to be like Christ, transforming our image just like Jesus did. He left heaven, he left his authority, and he changed his image to come here on earth. And it allows us to live in God's will just like Jesus did when he was here. His life and his death was all according to the will of God. But it also allows us to transform and change lives just like Jesus did when he resurrected and came back. The first mission he told those disciples was, you need to go out and change the world. Bring the kind of transformation that I have caused in your life. Now the Holy Spirit has come and you have the power to bring about that change in others. But somewhere along our Christian life and the life of the church, we have become so enamored with this grace because grace is beautiful. Grace is wonderful. Grace is like plastic surgery, people. Like nobody ever wants to get old. And what grace does for us, it, it keeps us young and it keeps us new and it keeps us fresh. And all the ugly things that we have done and all the bad things, they're all wiped away by grace. And the ugly things that were there in the morning can be gone in the afternoon because grace comes in and brings us into this brand new self. And this self is so wonderful that sometimes we can get caught up in that self. And we start believing that it is about self. 
But grace has a broader spectrum. Grace has a beauty and a freshness that goes beyond you. It's a contagious kind of beauty. It's a contagious kind of freshness that when grace takes over your life, it's not just about yourself. It's about all everybody else. Grace came so that we would all be safe. Grace came so that you can overcome the things in your life, but then you can teach somebody else how to overcome those same exact things. But as part of the church, there's been so much emphasis on you, 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 fixing you, you, you. And we become so much about ourselves. We want to live right. We want to live in righteousness. And all that is right and good, but that's not the limit of grace. And some of us have become so enamored with grace that we want to partake in grace as long as it doesn't cause any wear and tear on us. The minute that you're asking me to do something in grace that is going to cause me to show some signs of aging, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> My husband and I have been married for 22 years. We just celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary. Amen. If you ask my husband, the first six years of our marriage were very difficult. If you ask me, the first 10 were terrible. <laughs> Actually, I brought some pictures with me, and I want to share them with you. I don't know. Uh, there, see? That's us. I have another picture. That's us on a cruise. We were having a great time. Then I have one more. See? See how happy we are? All these pictures have one thing in common. They're all pretend. My husband and I have perfected the art of a camera showing up, and we can act like we're having a great time. And we look like we're having a blast, right? We did pretty good. And it all started when we were dating. We actually had gone to some kind of amusement park, and the day was very gloomy. The lines were very long. Things weren't going exactly the way that we wanted them to. And they had those little booths that you go in and you take a picture. And we took the first picture, and we, were, we realized we don't look very happy. So we're like, you know what, let's just pretend like we're happy. And we took these awesome pictures that made us look like we were just having a blast in a park where we weren't exactly having a good time. And we can, in this world where social media and everything is out there, we can start pretending that our lives are something that we're not. We can get really good at looking and seeing exactly where the camera is. As a matter of fact, I, when we go on roller coasters, you know how everybody, they take that picture and everybody's like, ah, I'm always looking great in those pictures because I can spot the camera and I could be screaming my head off. But when the camera comes, I'm just going to be like, jeez, you know, and everybody's like, how do you do it? Because we can get really good at knowing where the areas are that are, the light is going to shine on us and pretend for a moment. But that moment is not real. That moment is not who we really are. We could have chosen in our marriage to keep up the facade, to run away into that social media bliss that many are living into, but we prefer to live in the things that we know. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and those who are um, called according to his purpose. So we had to accept the calling of God in our lives to not live according to what we were going to pretend to be, but really let God in our business. Really let God in call us and, and lead us into places that most of the time we don't even want to be. And perfect example of that is when I married my husband, I lived in Pennsylvania, 
and I moved to Milford, Massachusetts, and I said to him, I will live anywhere but one socket, Rhode Island. Guess where we are right now? <laughs> Guess where God called us? And for the last 15 years, my parents live in Palm Bay, Florida. My whole family is there. I'm one of five children. I am the only one that has to go through our winters. Is it fair? No. Is it right? Yes, because that's where God called me to be. And when I didn't want to go there, God, just like Jonah, Jonah was a prophet. He loved speaking with God. He loved his relationship with God. But when it came time for God to ask him to do something that he did not want to do, he had major issues with the people with Nineveh. And he did not want it. Those people had done some really bad things. It wasn't just that he was a racist. It was that he had legitimate reasons for not liking the people in Nineveh. But when we talk about grace and when we receive grace, we need to understand that grace encapsulates everybody, even the worst of the worst, even the places where we don't want to go. Grace wants to get there. And he wants to use us, the church, as the tool and instrument to get there. So Jonah decided that he was going to run to an uncertain world. He was going to get in a boat and he was going to try to journey to a place where salvation can be close to him, but the demands of salvation were too far to reach him. He was going to be in, in an area back in those days. They didn't even know what was on the other side. They didn't even know that the world was round. They didn't have all these perfect destinations that we have when we get on a cruise. By the way, I love cruising. If you haven't tried it, you should try it. But he wanted to go to a place where he can fall into this deep beauty sleep. And grace is so comforting that you can be tempted to just sleep on it, to just bask in it and just rest in it. And he was on this boat where, where this, um, this, this demand of God was so so opposite to what he really wanted, what self wanted, that he said, you know what, I'm just going to run away. I'm going to go over to that because if, if I run away, God can't reach me where I am. But how many know that the reach of grace will find you wherever you are? Paul said it best. He said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. He understood that no matter what he did, no matter where he ran, grace will always chase after us. But we can't live a gospel that is optional. We can't decide what rules we're going to follow and what we're not going to follow or what we're going to listen to God. If God tells me to do what I like, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And the truth is, people of God, I love the way you shout, we are the people of God. Well, as people of God, your main job is to go and tell the world that Jesus Christ came and he died for our sins and he resurrected and he's still changing lives. He's still resurrecting. He's still healing. He's still causing all these miracles through each and every one of us and we can't be selective about it Jonah began to chase the things that he could accomplish on his own and I believe that the church has done the same we'll go places we'll do things that we can do in our own strength but the real power of Christ is in those things that we cannot do the things that we cannot change that's when we really show the world that we're not operating on our own strength but we're operating on the strength of Jesus Christ did you know that in history, there was a time where everybody knew that if you found yourself in sickness or in trouble, the place that you would go to is the church? There was a time in our history that everybody ran to the church. 
It was a house of prayer. It was where the active and effective prayer warriors abided. There you could have a rightful conversation with God that would produce a physical display of the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ. And we have to wake up and see that we are the church. We're still that place. We're still that, that, that home where people can run to whenever they find themselves lost. So in, in, in the, if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that I want us to realize this morning is that we need to wake up and see that we are the church. We're still empowered. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. The victory is already ours. We have overcome. Amen? And the second thing that I want to address this morning is our priorities. We need to wake up and see that our priorities must change. See, Jonah thought that God was his priority till the moment that God asked him to do something that he preferred not to do. And he got on this boat and he started navigating away from the will of God. God told him to go there, so he went there. Tried to get as far away as he could. How many of us, I mean, I can testify, I've tried to run. Let's not judge poor Jonah this morning. Let's just try not to be like that anymore because we've been like that at some point in our lives. So he gets on this boat and, you know, I told you I love cruising. I don't know how many love cruising. And one of my obsessions is shoes. I love shoes, size seven, anybody, you know, anytime, right? So when I pack my bags, I, I'm one of those people that I prefer to fly southwest because they allow me two free bags. Never mind anything else. I just know that I can take two bags, right? But when you're packing, you start putting in all the things that are important to you. You start with the most important things, and then if there are things that are accessories and, and you don't really necessarily need, if you don't have the space, you can kind of leave them out. But you have a huge closet. You have all these things, but you only take what's absolutely necessary with you on the boat. And I imagine that Jonah kind of did the same thing, and everybody on that boat, and all of a sudden, this storm starts to hit and starts to shake the boat. And when the storms come, it really starts aligning our priorities. Because all of a sudden, all that weight that is in the boat can drown you. All those things that you thought were important can be the cause why you die. So one of the first things that sailors know to do is to start taking things and throwing them overboard. You have to take some of the things that you think that are so important and really allow God. Sometimes we're like, why, why am I going through this? Why am I going through the storm? It's because God is trying to change your priorities. God is trying to show you what's really important in your life. You've been making gods in your life that are not producing the value of your life that God wants to produce here on earth. So you have to go back to your luggage. You have to look at all the things and say, is this really important? And if it's not, just throw it, off, throw, throw it overboard. Because if you keep clinging to it, you're going to drown along with it. There are things that we believe the enemy has us fooled into thinking that we can't live without this. But the truth is, that's the very thing that is dragging you down. And the moment that you let go and you let God, you're going to see that that, that, that that thing wasn't as important as you thought that it was. He thought, Jonah thought that he had found rest in his escape. There he was sleeping on the boat. And the storm comes and he's just chilling. Everybody's freaking out. And Jonah is just sleeping through it. 
You would think it was the same peace that Jesus had when he was on that boat and he was sleeping, but it wasn't. It was an escape. It was a, he went into a spiritual coma. And this is what I'm trying to avoid this morning, to get us to fall into a spiritual coma where everything is happening around us and we're like, oh, I'm just resting in Christ. Everything's good. Everything's fine. When the winds and the storms begin to blow, and intensify, our priorities become clear. And we need to let go of the things that have been holding us back. So number one, you need to wake up and see you are the church. You have the power. Number two, you need to wake up and see that your priorities have to change. And then the third thing that I want you to um, realize this morning is that you need to wake up and see that our God is the God of the storm. You know, it is common knowledge that the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. So when we face the winds and the disorder and the loss and pain that comes with the storm, we tend to credit the enemy for the storm. Oh, that devil, he's always coming around. But do you know that only God can control the winds and the storm? God uses the storms to display his awesome power and control over the whole creation. We're often giving credit to, the, to Satan for the storms in our lives, but we're missing the obvious truth that the only one that has proven historically and through the word that has power over the storm is Jesus. From the very beginning, this truth is established. In Genesis 1.1, it says that between verse 1 and verse 2, something happened. I don't know what happened. There's a lot of theological debate. Everything was good, and then everything was a hot mess. Something came in and put everything in disarray. It was out of order. But there was one thing that was not moved. The spirit of God was still moving upon the waters. When the storms come, it can displace everything except the spirit of God. I don't know what happened, but I know one thing. Storms are not more powerful than our God. And our God can control the storms. And I, I, God often uses these storms. You see in the story of Noah, and he reveals things through the storms. If we really, how many of us have gone through a very difficult situation, and then we look back and see, wow, God was trying to teach me something. God was showing me something. And, and, but when the next storm comes, we're there complaining. Wah, 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 wah. Well, God, what are you trying to teach me? That would be a good question to ask. In the story of Noah, God revealed that he can use a storm to separate righteousness from sin. There's always a teaching. There's always a reason for the storm. With Peter, he, the storm proved that God can do great things with a little bit of faith. He walked upon that water with a little bit of faith. And even when you don't have enough faith, Jesus is going to be there. And you just have to say, Lord, save me, and he'll save you. That was proven by a storm. Then Jesus, as I told you, there was a storm where he was sleeping. And there, God revealed that a peace that transcends all understanding. The storm did not affect our God's rest. He was sleeping like a baby. What disturbed the rest of Jesus was the believers in desperation that came to the conclusion that the storm had power over their lives. When you start believing that the storm has power to destroy you, that the storm has the power to give you the fear that God did not place in your life. When you start trusting in the storm's ability more than in the ability of your God, that's when we go wrong. With Jonah, God revealed that he can return faith and purpose to those that have lost it. 
The storm proved that Jesus is the good shepherd. He will go after the lost. Wherever we go, we can't hide from his presence. He thought that he could leave God. But God says, no, you're mine. And I have called you for a time such as this to preach the gospel, to go and tell the lost that they, they need saving. So we're asking God to teach us, to wake us up and allow us to see that we are the church of Jesus Christ, to allow us to see where our priorities need to change, to allow us to see that, um, that he is the God of the storm and keep us from blaming the enemy for everything that's happening in our lives. And the last thing that I want to share with you today is that we need to ask the church of Jesus Christ, we need to wake up and see that the world is desperately asking for prayer. I know, I know. To some of you, it's like, what? Not in the United States. Maybe somewhere else. But the truth is the world is desperately asking for prayer. Do you know that your good and your bad decisions can affect others? We are called to be lifesavers, fishermen of men. Therefore, whenever we walk away from the will of God, we are placing not only our lives in danger, but the life of, the, of those that are around us. When Jonah stepped into the boat in disobedience, he put into motion a storm that was going to affect everybody on that boat. For this reason, we have to be careful about who are the people that are in the boat with us. Who are the people that we're entering into co uh, commitments with? Who are the people that we're saying, hell, come on, let's just journey together. We have to be careful because our lives, the good and the bad that we do, is going to be affecting others. The sailors that were on the boat were innocent of Jonah's sin. I'm sure they had their own sin because we all got our own. But the reason why that storm was there was because there was a believing man of God. There was a prophet. And I believe that some of the storms that we're experiencing here in America is because, not because uh, there's some that are caused by sin, but there's some that are being caused by our sin as the people of God. There are things that we are denying God. There are things that he's asking us to do and we're just not doing them. There are places that he's asking us to go and we're not being courageous enough or we have our own reasons and our own motives to say no to God. And what happens is that the storm that comes to bring us back to our rightful place is not just going to affect us. It's going to affect our surrounding, our community, the people around us. They're going to feel that something is not right. And these sailors who were professional sailors, they knew something was up. And they knew that there was an answer in God, whatever God that was, because they all started calling to their own gods. All of a sudden, whenever we're in trouble, we start looking at the things that we find most important in our lives, the things that we have idolized. And we look for that to help us and to guide us out of it. So the sailors start crying out to their gods, and nothing is happening. And, and here they are, desperate, and Jonah is just sleeping. There's a situation happening. That is affecting everybody. Everybody's going crazy. They're throwing things off. I don't even know if they threw Jonah's luggage too. He didn't even care about the stuff. He was just sleeping. We can't sleep any longer. We need to wake up, church. There is a world that is being, all this noise that you hear is the noise of people crying out for God. We have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ.
Somehow we've come to the conclusion that telling others about our personal experience with God is an option. And we justify our silence by saying and believing that the world no longer wants to hear about it. You watch the news and social media, and it, they make it very clear to you. But as we were saying in the huddle this morning, the enemy is a liar. And we take offense at people saying that the church is not being the church. And we get mad that they don't embrace us and they don't receive us. But if we really listen with the spiritual ears, we are, when you hear somebody complaining, all they're saying is, cry out to your God. If you cry out to your God and God does something for you, perhaps he'll have mercy with us and he'll also do the same for us. The cries is not cries of condemnation. It's cries of where is the evidence of your God? Where is your God in all of this? And you are walking around with the power to be able to tap into a God that can silence the storm in a minute. And here we are more offended about what we feel than what God really is. When the captain of the boat got to Jonah, he looked at him and he said, how can you sleep? How can we sleep in the times that we're living? He told him, he gave him a challenge, which is a challenge that we're bringing this morning. And I love, I, I, I'm a fan of Impact Church. I follow you guys on social media. You know, Pastor Santos like, hey, this is a millennial church. You can be comfortable. Come. I'm like, I know. Like, I, I, I know the great things that you guys are doing, but there's still more. There's still more people crying out. If you open up your spiritual ears, the cries are everywhere you go. You have to bring that impact to your schools, to your jobs, on the highway. Those, those very angry drivers, they all, everything that you hear is just a cry saying, where is your God? How can you sleep? Get up. The enemy intends that he, he tries to drown our voice by just shouting out all these offenses towards us. But if we can fine-tune our ears and spiritually hear that every offense is really a motivation to bring God and Christ into this world. To call out and cry out to a God. And maybe, maybe we're like Jonah. We're feeling bad that that we have failed God. We're feeling bad that, that we have not necessarily done the things the right way. But let us not forget that our God is a God of grace and he's a God of mercy. And the minute that we can turn to him and say, Lord, I know I started running in the wrong direction, but I can see you in this storm and I can see your purpose. You're trying to redirect me and I'm going to surrender right here where I'm at. It was so difficult for Jonah to accept the responsibility of that storm but while he was there you know one of the things about these unbelievers that were on the boat was that Jonah realized okay here's the solution we're to I ha I put myself first I put myself as a priori priority and remember how we talked about those things that are priority sometimes you gotta just let them go well Jonah says I put myself as a priority so I'm just gonna have to throw myself off the boat this will stop the storm. It's my fault. The eye, I'm just going to launch it over. I'm going to let it go. But he's standing there, and he can't quite do it. I went scuba diving one time. I love scuba diving. And, um, and I was afraid of 
of swimming. Like, I wasn't a good swimmer, so, so I was a little bit afraid, and we had gone on a cruise the night before, and I'm looking out, and I'm going, like, oh, my God, look at all those barracudas. Oh, my God, it's so amazing. Oh, my God, I'm going to be there tomorrow, right? So in my mind, I never let my husband know because I'm, you know, I'm just tough. Like, nothing shakes me, right? So in my mind, I'm going, if I can do it in the pool, I can do it in the ocean. If I can do it in the pool, I can do it in the ocean. And I'm standing at the edge of this thing after my lessons and everything. And the guy says, you know, just look forward and take one big step, and then you'll fall into the water. But I saw the movie Jaws. And every time I'm in water that I can't see, I know he's right there with his mouth open, waiting for me to just drop in. Right? So I, I, I was saying to myself, just take the step. Take the step. I couldn't take the step. Just like Jonah, I couldn't do it. So he says to the people on the boat, why don't you carry me and just throw me over? I can't do it, but just help me. Throw me over. And I love that they hesitated. They didn't really want to throw him over. They had mercy upon the person that was, the world cannot have more mercy than us people. We the church, we have grace. There's nothing that carries more mercy than grace. But finally, they found that there was no other solution. The guy pushed me, and I went in the water. Once I was in the water, I was fine. It was like this, the storm was stilled, just like with uh, Jonah. There were some questions that that captain asked Jonah. He said, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? We're so quick to pass the blame. Can we this morning say, Lord, forgive us as the church of Jesus Christ for any responsibility we have in the storms that are around us? They asked Jonah, what do you do? Let's ask God to remind us that we are the church of Jesus Christ. What we do is save souls regardless of where he sends us. That's what we do, people. We are in the business of telling others about Jesus Christ. It says, where do you come from? I come from God himself. I was in him and he pulled me out of him so that he can contemplate and spend time with me and, and, and he could save me from myself. What country are you coming from? We are part of the kingdom of God. What people are you? We shouted, we are the people of God. What have you done? And he asked, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us. What are we going to do, church, to make the sea calm down all around us? Let's not feel insulted by the questions of the world. Let's take our pride and put it aside. And let's measure ourselves to see where we have been lacking physically, demonstrating the answers to the world. Because we can have all the faith we want, but there has to be a physical demonstration of the power of God in us. People should be asking, why are you so different? People should be asking about your God. And you should be open and willing to tell the world that God is the God who saves. When people start talking about all the things that are happening, all the bad things that are happening in the world, and they start focusing on the storm and why, because the question now is, why does God, if God is so good, why does he allow all these things? Imagine if you can bring a new perspective and say, because God is the God of the storm. And his intention is not for destruction, but it's to bring people to rightful living, to bring us all to righteousness, which is the best place to encamp in. It's the best place to be. 
awake and able to see all that God is doing in us and through us. The best satisfaction that we can have as human beings is to know that we cost a difference in somebody else. Just the other day, I had a member of our church who came and we host a lot. So we make a lot of trash. And he works for the city and he was coming over and he was helping us get rid of some recyclable stuff. And, you know, as he's throwing out the trash, um, he turns around and he's like, Pastor, I just... Because I went to help. I hate, like, people coming over, and I feel bad. And I'm like, and, and I said, Lord, you know, he turns around, he says, Pastor, it's just that you don't know who I was a few years ago. You don't know what God has done in our lives. So we love you, and we love to serve. This is, this is the life of a believer. So this morning, as we gather together, if we can just stand to our feet, I just want to make a prayer, a general prayer, that God would bring us to an awakening. We need to be awakened, that he would remind us who we are. We're the church of Jesus Christ, that God would be the one that looks at our priorities and sets them straight, that God would let us see the hunger of the people around us for Jesus Christ, and that we would make a difference in the world. If you are listening to this sermon and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to ask you to just raise your hand where you are. And I'm not exactly sure how they do it here. There's ushers, but we just want to pray with you. We want to make a uh, prayer of salvation. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, that God is just to forgive you. And he will give you this vision. He will give you this power to be able to make a difference and to be awakened to all things. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for every person in this place that has not known you before, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that they would come to the realization of Jesus Christ, that they would accept you in your heart, in their hearts, and that you would make a difference in their lives, that you would bring an awakening this morning that would allow them to impact the world around us. We thank you, Father, for those that are coming to the knowledge of you, your son, Jesus Christ, this morning. And we thank you and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And I also want to make a quick prayer for all of us as the church of Jesus Christ. If you are the people of God, raise a hand right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have empowered each and every one of us to be able to share the gospel of the good news with the world. I pray, Lord, that all of us walk out of this place with a brand new awakening, ready to share the gospel. Father, that as you deal with our lives and you set our priorities straight, that we would give you all the glory and all the honor for bringing peace into the storms around us, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a strong hand praise.